this morning we're digging in uh, to this concept of faithfulness a little bit deeper. Because this whole series, uh, when you look through the book, it talks about our relationship with God. And it deals with the issues of faithfulness. The faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of us as his people. And so we're going to just dig a little bit deeper. Before I do that, I've got to have a moment of honesty with you. Because um, I know Amber and I talk about this all the time, that we want to be real, right? And we hope that all of us, you know, we hope that that's how you feel. Like, we're, we're not up here faking stuff. We're not, you know, pretending like we're something that we're not. We want to have a real, honest uh, conversation with you and connection with you as a church. Um, but it's real easy when you look at the pastor. How many of you look at the pastor and everybody thinks the pastor's got it all together? We don't, okay? <laughs> Clarity, we don't. We don't always have it all together, okay? And even when it comes to relationships... Not every relationship in our life is always perfect, you know. We, we have challenges. And so I've just got to be honest. There's a relationship that I've had in my life for a, for a period of time, and it hasn't always been perfect. It sometimes has been challenging. You know, there's been seasons where it's been healthy, but then there's been seasons where it's kind of a challenge. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have relationships like that, right? You know, and the relationship I'm talking about is the relationship I have with food, okay? That's the... Sometimes I'm really, sorry, sometimes I have a really, really healthy relationship with food, okay? Sometimes I eat the good stuff, like sometimes I'm good, right? Sometimes I eat my broccoli, and sometimes I have spinach in my teeth, okay? Those are good things, right? But then there's times like the Super Bowl. How many went to a Super Bowl party? You had some good food for Super Bowls, okay? I went to the Super Bowl party, and I think I ate cheese in like four forms, okay? Like all I was eating was the bad stuff, and it's not good for me, right? And this is where I'm at in my health. Like, when it comes to food, I don't always eat the way I'm supposed to. But I've learned something. My relationship with food impacts other areas of my life. Okay? When I'm eating healthy, I feel better. I've got more energy. I feel good about myself, you know? But then when I'm eating bad, I don't feel as good. I have less energy. I start to feel bad about myself, you know? My pants don't fit as well as they... There's things that happen when you don't do that. And this relationship with food, this relationship impacts other relationships, okay? What we're going to look at this morning, the passage we're going to dig into, we're going to realize that our relationships impact other relationships. And specifically, we're going to see how our relationships here impact our relationship here, okay? And I think God's going to challenge us with some things, all right? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse number 10, all right? Uh, as, like I said the last few weeks, if you don't know where Malachi is, open your table of contents. Find Mark if you know where Mark is and turn back a couple pages, whatever you got to do. Okay, I love it that you have your Bible. If you ever forget a Bible, you can always borrow one from the table. Or if you don't own a Bible, those are a gift for you. Uh, I want you to have a Bible, all right? Uh, but would you stand with me as our tradition around here as we uh, read our primary text here together? Beginning in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, says this. Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign God. As for the man who does that, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth, 
You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. And right now we stop. We say, God, we need to hear from you, Lord. God, I, I know we need to hear from you, God. So I'm praying this morning, Lord, that, that you would take this word and make it clear to our hearts, to our minds, to our ears, Lord, that we would be able to see how this applies to us today and where we're at in our lives. And I pray we'd walk out of this place differently. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, so I want to take us back to week number one. Because here's the deal. Look at me for a second. If we forget week one, the rest of this series turns into ritual. Okay? I don't want this to turn into just rituals. We've got to get a hold of what did we say in week one. What did we talk about in week one? We said that God's desire is relationship with his people. That's his goal. And when it comes to our relationship with God, what's the foundation? Our foundation is God's faithfulness, right? The foundation of our relationship with God is God's faithfulness. This is why we talk about gospel. This is why we talk about the good news. Why? Because the good news isn't that it's all dependent on what we can come up with. We've got to figure this thing out. No, the foundation of our hope is in what God has done. It is his faithfulness toward us. And how does he reveal faithfulness the deepest? It is through Jesus Christ himself. That is the greatest picture of God's faithfulness. That he came to meet us despite our brokenness, right? And so this is the, the hope we have is that he is the initiator. What are we? We're the responder. Everything we do is a response to what he has already done for us, okay? Religion says, I'm going to try and get my way there. The gospel says, I'm going to respond to his love and his faithfulness, all right? Make sense? But hear this. We are the responder, but how we respond matters. How we respond matters, all right? And this is what we're going to dig into here a little bit. So if you got your Bibles, look at verse number 10 with me. Look what it says. It says, do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Remember, week one, he started talking about, I'm faithful to you. Then he starts talking about, why ain't you faithful to me? Like, he's like, you're not reciprocating the same way, okay? And what he's saying right here in this, why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Here's what's going on. He is saying there is a connection between the faithfulness we have with God and the faithfulness we have with one another. Like this affects one another, okay? And Jesus made this very clear when he talked about the fact that, listen, you got to love God with all your heart and love people. This is a connection here. And this is exactly what Malachi is saying. There is a, a connection. One impacts the other. And here's the problem that we have, is that so often we want to segment our lives, right? I want to segment and talk about, I want to put my little relationship with Jesus in a box over here and say, yes, I have my personal relationship with Jesus and not worry about that. Like, this, uh, this is my stuff. This is my regular life. How many of you ever said, I've got my spiritual life and my normal life, right? Like, we have normal parts. Then I get it. I know what we're saying when we say that. But the reality is, there's no such thing as a normal part of your life. Like as a follower of Christ, we don't get that option. We don't get to say, well, here's my normal stuff. And then Jesus, I'll come to you with this. No, you remember back in the Jesus Talks Money series? Remember I brought a big old bucket out here and I stood in it? Because when we follow Jesus, what happens? Everything goes in the bucket, right? Everything, every situation. And it, when it comes to our relationships, listen, everything we have out here impacts this thing. And that's what he's trying to get at, all right? 
So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. We go on in verse number 11. What does it say? Judah, God's people, Judah has been unfaithful, right? He's confronting them over and over, and he, here's how he, they've done it. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. All right? Now, what's happening here is not an issue with women. You're going to find out what the problem is real quick, okay? So, what's happening is these people, remember we talked about in this series, uh, the people have, they were in exile over in Babylon, right? Now they've been able to return to the land. Now they're in this land, but they're poor. They're still under the control and the dominance of the Persian Empire, so they don't have a lot of freedom. They don't have any relationships for business because they just came back to the land. They don't have a lot of resources going on, and so they're struggling financially. Life is hard for them, right? So what are they doing? They're saying, got an idea. I'm going to marry me a woman from that tribe over there. I'm going to marry me a woman from that nation over there. Because what will happen? If I'm able to marry, now I'm going to have a business relationship with this family over here. It's going to be good for my pocketbook if I can start doing this. I'm going to leverage these opportunities over here. The problem is that God had said, don't do it. <laughs> he had been very clear. Don't marry with the, these foreign nations. The purpose was not ethnic purity. That's not the purpose. It wasn't that I don't want you intermarrying because we can see in Scripture there are people from other nations that come into the tribe of Israel, but they are following God. And the issue is spiritual purity, not ethnic purity. He's saying, I want spiritual purity within my people, right? Okay, so this is what he's digging into. And so they're making this financial decision and they're saying, God, rather than being faithful to what you've asked me to do, I'm going to make a decision that's better for my pocketbook, okay? And so if you've got your notes, I want you to pull them out with me. We're going to go through a couple things. There's some things you're going to want to write down. But point number one in your notes is this. Compromise breeds compromise. Compromise breeds compromise. It's hard to cross the line the first time, right? That first time you're going to do what you're not supposed to do, it's a little harder. Second time is way easier, right? You know that in your life. Like, you know, when you were a kid, like, it was hard that you felt like you are in trouble. I'm like, eh, no big deal. I didn't really get in trouble that bad. Not a big deal. I'll do it the second time and the third and the fourth, right? I have that problem with food. I talked about it. I got a bad relationship with food at times, okay? Does anybody like ice cream? Anybody like ice cream in the house? Anybody like Cold Stone ice cream? <laughs> yes. Cold Stone. Mmm. French vanilla and, and brownies. It's the best ice cream you will ever eat in your life, okay? Just telling you that. If you love me, that's what you give me as gifts. Cold stone, okay? I love cold stone, okay? But here's my problem with ice cream is I can't, like, I'm, I'm not good with ice cream. I tell Amber, if we're trying to be healthy, just don't bring it in the house. Because if it's in the house, like, I'll take one bite and then it's over, right? The whole container will be gone. Like, I just have no self-control, I'm, I'm good. Just keep it away. As long as I don't do it the first time, I'm fine. It's that second time I'm in trouble, right? Why? Because compromise breeds compromise. And this is what these people have done. They made a compromise. They said, listen, our, we're struggling financially. I think we need to make a financial decision here rather than our commitment to God. And so that financial compromise causes them to say, okay, I'm going to now marry someone who doesn't even worship the God I, I worship. And now they're in the home, and the problem is now we've got an idol worshiper who is living in the home, and most likely those men were now worshiping these foreign gods. 
And what had started as just a simple like, hey, this is going to help my pocketbook because we're kind of struggling a little bit, suddenly turned into worshiping totally foreign gods. This is how compromise works. You know this in your life. You make little compromises. They eventually lead us into places that we don't want to go. Now, we'll, we'll sit and we'll, we'll nail people and tear people apart who are in p- p- uh, positions of power and influence. We've known that. Spiritual leaders. This church has known the pain of spiritual leaders who have stepped in a wrong direction and taken a step outside of the bounds of morality. We understand that. But how many of you know that that final decision isn't the biggest problem? That was the result of many, many compromises that happened before then. And I think all of us can look back in our lives and talk about areas in our life where we've ended up somewhere that we said we would never be. I will never get to that place. I would never be that kind of person. I would never make those kind of decisions. I would never get involved in that type of relationship. I would never do those certain things. But we start with a compromise over here. And one compromise breeds another compromise, breeds another compromise, and we find ourselves somewhere and say, how did I get here? How did I get here? God would say, listen, in our relationship, you can't compromise this thing for this thing. When you do that, you're breaking down the fundamental thing. The most important thing in your life is this thing. Why are you compromising? And I don't know where you're at, but my guess is there's some people here this morning that are in the midst of that. You might be living out the results of your compromise right now. And you're saying to yourself, I don't know how I got here. Okay? God may say, you know what? You're going to need to turn. Those compromises you are choosing, you're going to need to turn. But I'll say this. My guess is there's some of us in the room who are really close to, a, to something happen out here because we're starting. We're making that first choice, that second choice. And if we're not careful, if we don't say, God, help me, I'm going to turn away from that. I want to repent from those things right now. We're not too far away from being where we never thought we would be. Okay? Compromise breeds compromise. It's in relationships. Maybe it's in a relationship right now. You're messaging somebody you shouldn't be messaging. Uh, you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, right? It's in our, our finances. You know, we're making decisions. You're like, this isn't totally ethical, but I'm totally fine with it. We'll just, we'll just put, hey, don't make those compromises. It might be in your entertainment. Like, what are you allowing yourself to fill yourself with? You're, you said, I would never watch stuff like that, and now you are. Like, what, where is that compromise? Is it in your priorities? What you're saying is most important. Are you compromising those things? I know I've always said this is important, but yeah, we'll let it slide this time. I don't know what it is. Ultimately, our allegiance gets compromised. And so what I want us to do is I want to give you 30 seconds. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would speak specifically to you, okay? So for 30 seconds, I want you to ask yourself this simple question. I want you to ask, where am I in danger of compromising? Or for some of you, I would ask, where am I compromising right now? Because some of you may be there right now. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Ask the Holy Spirit if he'd speak to your heart. Is there an error in your life where you're in danger of compromising? All right, cool. Let's go. Let's go on. Uh, so turn your Bibles to verse 12. Let's look there, okay? Verse 12 says this, as for the man who does this, and so he's in response to what we just talked about, right? 
As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Goes on, another thing you do. Now he's talking about another thing, but they're connected. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. All right. So you got two groups. You got these people who are, who are compromising and they're marrying people outside. We're about to talk about a different compromise. But both of them are doing the same thing. Even though they are being unfaithful to one another here, they're still going to God and doing the sacrifices and doing the offerings and saying, hey, I'll just keep doing the stuff here even though I'm totally unfaithful over here. Right? This is totally cool. As long as I keep doing this stuff, he'll be fine. Like, I can satisfy him. I'll still get what I want. I just, you know, no worries about this stuff over here. And the issue is, how many times do we act the same way? We say, as long as I do this thing, you know, we'll find ourselves going to church. As, As long as I can get to church, then we'll be all cool. As long as I can, you fill in the blank. I don't know what it is. As long as I can get something in the offering, we'll be cool. We're worrying about this thing and just satisfying this thing, and then we'll hopefully we'll get what we want from God, but he, did, well, he doesn't really care about this stuff over here. Look at number two in your notes. It's this, is that God is not a formula, okay? God is not a formula. A lot of times we want, we'll do this, you know, when you're a kid. Think about back when you were a kid. When you wanted to get to go to that party, you're a teenager, you wanted to get to go to do that thing, you wanted that special toy, suddenly your room started to be clean again, right? You do all the stuff, you're taking care of your, wa- look, mom, I'm washing a car, look at me, I'm so good, you know? Why? Because you're like, if I do the thing, I'm going to get the stuff, right? And, and us husbands, we'll get to the same thing, right? Husbands, you know, we, we'll, the son's like, I, I, I kind of want to go do this thing. Look at me, sweetie, I'm vacuuming, you know? Like, look at me, I'm being a good husband now, you know? And I know, like, there's nothing, like, horrible about that, okay? But if you're not careful, what can happen? You can turn your relationships into transactions, Right? It ceases to be a relationship. It ceases to be me, me responding to my love for my wife and giving. Instead, it becomes me trying to get something out of it. We turn relationships into formulas. And see, when it comes to God, we can treat him the same way. These people were coming, they're saying, look it, I'm doing the sacrifice. He'll still give me what I want. He doesn't care about all this other stuff. No, as long as I do the thing, I'll get the stuff, right? And God's saying, listen, I'm not a formula. Like, just because you do the right things does not mean I'm supposed to do something. Like, I have to do something. Like, I'm not, I'm not a vending machine, right? Like, that's not how this works. But sometimes that's how we can treat God. And, and God would say this, I'm God. I'm not your pawn. You know, we can turn ourselves into God. We think, well, as long as I do the right thing and I can, I can appease it, right? He'll have to do this thing for me. No, you're not God. He is. He gets to make those decisions. We are the responders. We are not the initiators, right? We get to respond to what he has done. But we don't get to control him. God would say, listen, I do want to meet your needs, but I don't want to be the one that you just come to to get the stuff and try to work me like I'm some formula. I am God. I want to be your God. I want to be your source. But I also want to be your joy. That you actually want a relationship with me. You actually want to serve me. You actually come submitted to me, not trying to use me. How many of you parents out there have been used by your kids sometimes? Like, like I get my kids, they walk at me sometimes, and they're just like, oh, you're such the greatest daddy ever. I'm like, what do you want? Like, like, sometimes they're sincere, but a lot of times they're looking for something, you know? You're the best dad ever. You want to hold my cell phone, don't you? (laughs) Yes, that's what it is. Okay. Right? 
can treat God the same way, right? We just try to butter him up sometimes. And, and I would just say this. We're going to ask ourselves this question. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. How do I treat God as a formula rather than as God? Not if, because my guess is we all do at times. How? How is it we treat him? What do we view? Is it, is it when we put something in the offering? Is it when we show up to church? Is it even simple things like when we read a Bible, when we try to be nice to someone? Are we trying to do these things expecting that, well, if I do the right thing, God has to do something for me? Or are we saying, God, no, I want to respond to my relationship with you by giving back out of my heart? Before I dig into the third, we're going to jump to the, the third section of this passage. Before I do that, I just want to recognize that there's some people in the room that I guarantee you've experienced some pain in relation to this, because we're going to talk about marriage here in a moment. And some of you is, have experienced pain. It's possible some of you have, have had tough marriages, maybe some marriages that have ended. And uh, maybe you've uh, had some regrets in your past life, or maybe you've been hurt in some past times. I, I understand that. And so I, I just, with some humility, I want to still be able to share what this text is all about, because the enemy wants to remind you of your past when I talk about this. God wants to lead you into your future, okay? And so I think there are some good things that God can still lead us into, all right? Uh, but look what it says in verse 14. It says, you ask, why? Is it because the Lord is the, uh, it is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. All right, so what is it that's going on here? Uh, they talked about the, the wife of your youth as opposed to the wife of your later years. No, the wife of your youth is it, uh, an issue of uh, when we have uh, arranged marriages. They would do arranged marriages sometimes even before birth. But a lot of times when you were small, they would make these arranged marriages. That's the marriage of your youth, the, the wife of your youth, the person that you were uh, arranged to marry. And they would have these arranged marriages, and they would do a covenant ceremony, and this is, this is your wife. And it wasn't just like as long as you like her. This was like for life, you are committed before God. This is a covenant that I am making. And it's the same, I'm sure many of us, if you were married in a, in a uh, sacred type setting, you made those types of covenants before God where you said, hey God, we're gonna, we're gonna do this thing for life, all right? And what they're doing is they're, they're giving up, they're leaving them. Probably what happened at the first part of this passage, they were leaving the wives of their youth and going and marrying these women uh, from the surrounding nations, you know? And that's kind of a double compromise that's going on. And what, what God is saying, listen, you're being unfaithful. This, this thing that you're doing here is breaking this thing down here. And so if you got your notes, look at point number three in your notes. It's simply this, is that faithfulness matters. Faithfulness matters. What do I mean? Across the board, in every circumstance, in every relationship, faithfulness matters matters. You may need to write this down. Unfaithfulness in any relationship can have an effect on every relationship. Unfaithfulness in any relationship can have an effect on every relationship. Why? Because it's like creating bad muscle memory. How many of you type? You know how to type the right way. Do you know, how many of you know how you put your fingers in the right way? Remember back when you learned those things? You, you know, you did it over and over and over again. So now when you're typing, are you thinking, where is the A? No, you just do it, right? It's just, it's a reactionary thing. You didn't have to think about it anymore. You've created the muscle memory. 
When we start to operate in unfaithfulness in any relationship, you're building bad muscle memory. And it starts to flow its way into other relationships, not only here, but it can impact relationships here. And so God's saying, listen, your unfaithfulness that's going on here can actually fuel your unfaithfulness here. You're starting to function in ways that aren't faithful. You don't persevere. You don't continue. You don't endure. No, you're starting to be unfaithful. And it's impacting the relationship here. But it's more than that. Because look at 14 verse A. Look at what it says in 14. The, the first part, it says, you ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. So not only is your unfaithfulness here fueling this, but your unfaithfulness here actually is unfaithfulness here why because god's saying listen when you made that covenant to your spouse it was not just you two there was a third party involved in that covenant you stood before god and you said god i'm committing to you i'm going to be faithful to this relationship this was three of us involved in this circumstance right and as we are unfaithful here, we are saying, God, we don't care about what we said to you. We don't care about what we've committed before you, what we've promised you. We've said, you know what? Nope, I'm going to do things my way, right? And so this is the challenge. And I know some of you have been in circumstances. You may have endured a circumstance that even biblically would say, you know what? This is a circumstance that would, that would allow me to step away from it. I'm not talking about the exceptions. I'm talking about the majority, okay? And the majority of the time when we walk away, it isn't because... We have been hurt. It's because we've said, I'm done. I don't want to take this anymore. And the call as followers of Christ is say, listen, I am going to be faithful here and I am going to be faithful here. Faithfulness matters. This relationship impacts far more than just your marriage. And so I want to talk to some of the married people in the room, okay? I get it. I'm married. How many know marriage is not easy, right? There's like every once in a while I'll meet somebody and it'll be like, oh, these two little people and they look like they're always nice and happy all the time they probably aren't but that's a you know but for i think for the most of us like it takes work it doesn't just happen there's efforting that takes place right but sometimes in our world we just say eh, if it's going to take work i'll just go find somebody else right i'll just move on so i gotta find somebody else that'll meet my needs because this person isn't listen the question isn't are they going to be faithful the question are you going to be faithful are you going to endure are you going to engage? Are you going to give of yourself? What's the question? Are you going to be faithful? So if you're struggling, if, you, if you're in the midst of something, I get it. We all go through those kind of seasons. But the challenge as followers of Christ is to say, God, we are going to endure. This isn't just between us two. This is with you as well. We are going to engage. We're going to give of ourselves. And so I want you to ask yourself a third question. And it's just this. Am I acting faithful? In my relationships am I acting faithful in my relationships I don't know what that relationship is for you there may be a friendship it may be a relationship with parents you know it may be a relationship with grandparents maybe a relationship with children maybe a relationship with grandchildren it might be a marriage it might be a boss at work it, it might be a, a co-worker that, that you struggle with I don't know where it is but are you acting faithful in those relationships or are you are you the one talking about that person when they're not in the room are you the person tearing that person down when they're not in the room are you the one looking to stir things up rather than to look to be a peacemaker in that situation as followers of Christ our call is that we would be people who would bring life to circumstances not bring the death there so the question is are we being faithful 
in our relationships, all right? All right, so when we get uh, to the end of every message, I always say, so what, what's the point of this thing? And I want to kind of sum up everything we've been talking about with this simple big so what. Relationships demand commitment. And this might be the biggest duh like you've ever heard. Sorry, this is a real duh, obviously. Relationships demand commitment. But I know this about myself, that there's a lot of stuff that I know that I don't do. My guess is you have that too. Things in your life you know you should do, but you just don't, right? And I think that this can be very true in our relationships. I talked about marriage for a moment, but here's the problem that we have oftentimes in marriage relationships. I have the same temptation, is that I want to work on my marriage. Guess what? I have very little control over my marriage. You know what I have control over? What kind of husband I am. And sometimes we get really frustrated. I can't affect Amber and what kind of wife she is. I can't affect exactly how our marriage is. But I absolutely have control over the husband that I am. The question is, am I going to act committed? Or am I just going to go through the motions in this thing, right? And across the board, there's some of you that if you were to ask yourself, if somebody were to say, how committed are you to, what, to your marriage right now? You'd say, eh, I'm not sure. I get it. You go through seasons that can be hard. The question is, are you going to change that? Are you going to say, you know what, Lord? I know that I can't, I can't adjust everything. I can't fix everything. But God, I'm going to choose to be committed to this relationship. And not just say that with my mouth. I'm going to say that with my actions. And it's hard. It's hard work. Relationships, we said this already. Relationships are hard work. But it starts with the decision to say, am I going to be committed or am I just going to fake it? Am I just going to exist? All right? Some of you are here this morning. That may be the most important step you take this morning to say, God, I'm truly going to be committed in my marriage relationship. But I'd say it extends beyond that. Those other relationships in your life, are you going to be committed? You might say you are. Are you going to actually act as if you are? You know, some of you have, have parents, and it's a struggled relationship. You say, yeah, I, I do my best, but you're not really. Are you committed to that relationship? You have that friend at work, and they're, they struggle, and you're like, well, I'm trying my best. Are you committed to pursuing help in that area? It takes a step. But ultimately, when it comes down to our relationship with God, relationships take commitment. It takes saying, I'm all in, God. Because think about what we just talked about. If we aren't all committed, then what happens? We'll start to make compromises. We'll say, you know what? This isn't the most important thing. I want to make this decision over here. It's okay. He'll be fine with it. We start making compromises. There's other times where rather than being committed to God no matter what, we say, well, I'm going to work the system. Can I work the formula a little bit? I'm not really committed, but I'm going to do the things and hopefully I'll get the stuff, you know? And then there's times where we say, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm really, I'm really want to be faithful. I'll just be, the, I'll be faithful when I, when I feel like it, when it's easy, when it's comfortable. Or are you going to be committed? No matter what. What did we say when we said we we're going to follow Jesus? This isn't one of those messages that's like, yay, rah, yay, rah. Because commitment isn't like this fun thing to think about. Because usually commitment means when it's hard, I have to do something I don't want to do. That's what commitment means, right? 
we know that when you work out, if you commit to getting healthy, you got to work out. That means when the alarm goes off at 5 in the morning, you got to get up even when you don't want to. When it's negative 10 outside, you still get out of that bed because you're committed, right? Same thing with God. It says, listen, it isn't a matter of always want to. It is I'm responding to who you are, God, and what you have done. Even if I don't feel it, God, I am choosing to be committed to you. What was the call of God? What was, when Jesus was walking with the disciples, what did he say? You want to come after me? What are you going to have to do? You have to die to yourself daily, right? You got to take up your cross, then you can follow me. It means you have to be all in. All the stuff, all the things going in the bucket, that's what it means to follow Jesus, to say, God, I'm committed to you no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the circumstance. But that's the reason the gospel is so beautiful. It's because God never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do for us first. So when he was sitting in heaven, enjoying the beauties of heaven, what did he say? I'm so committed that I will leave the beauties of heaven and become a baby that is dependent on another human to wipe my butt and feed my mouth. Does the gap get any bigger than that? He's that committed to us. He's so committed that he said, you know what? I will go to a cross, even though I'm going to sit in a garden first and say, dear God, give me another option. There's got to be another way. But I'm committed. I'm all in. And he went to a cross for us. See, Jesus is just simply saying, would you respond to me the way I've responded to you and I've given everything for you? And so this morning, this is, an, this is a call back to saying, God, we want to give you our whole selves. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to be the people that, that just, you know, are grateful for the stuff, but we're not really committed to you. God, we want to give our lives to you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. It's really easy to go through rituals and like let's bow our heads let's pray let's whatever but I want us just to have a moment so I don't know what's going on in your world where you're at but I want you to create a space where you're at right now you might need to close your eyes you might want to turn around and kneel down at your seat you might want to come down here you might want to raise your hands I don't know what it is but I'm gonna give you about a minute or two to simply have a recommitment moment in your heart to Christ it isn't to say that you've been walking away, that you're in deep sin. It's just to reaffirm your commitment to Christ, all right? And so I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to give you a moment to have an altar with God right now. God, we thank you. Father, you have called us to simply respond to what you have already shown us. God, you have demonstrated what commitment looks like. And God, we are so grateful for what you have done for us, but we don't want to treat it casually. We don't want to treat it like it doesn't matter. Father, we want to treat it... As, as respectfully as we possibly can. And so, God, I'm asking that you would help us, Lord. Help us to once again reaffirm that commitment to you, God, to lay ourselves down, to say, God, we truly want to live for your glory, God. Not compromising, not doing the stuff, doing the things to get the stuff, Lord, but instead being fully committed to you at all times, Lord Jesus. At all times, Lord Jesus. Just have a moment right now. Respond to him.